my name is Eden Richardson, and I'm the Discipleship Director here at First Baptist Rock Hill. Thank you for tuning in to this week's message from our pastor. We are so excited for what God's going to teach you through his word today. Be sure to also like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, and we can't wait to see what God does in your life through this message. It's good to see you, church family. Today, I want to talk about uh, just raw human emotions, because we all have them. We feel a lot of different things in life, different seasons, but I'm not sure as disciples of Jesus, we're always confident in how we're supposed to deal with them, how we're supposed to handle them, especially as it relates to our relationship with God. And I think sometimes we fake it. So I want to help us with that today because the truth is we are emotional people. We feel a lot of different things. Yesterday, uh, a lot of us were watching football games. Some of you went to games. I was sitting on the screen porch at home watching football games on the television most of the afternoon. And, and I, I know today there are, there are Clemson fans in the room that feel happier than you felt all season. I mean, you felt a lot of positive emotions last night, yesterday, right? And, and if Steve White was here, he's not, he's on vacation, but if Steve White was here, he would have on an orange tie, that ugly orange tie from Tennessee. He'd have that on. And all the Gamecock fans are happy he's not here because you're feeling miserable right now, right? So I'm sitting there watching football, Kentucky play in Florida, and, and I'm doing this, and I'm shouting. I even did some gator chumps at that TV as we manhandled and barbecued gators. That's right. I mean, that's, that's, we feel stuff, right? Um, somebody you love gets cancer, they die, you feel stuff. How do we deal with all that? Good and bad. Jeremiah, I think, helps us. Because sometimes, I believe we get this image that all the men and women in the Bible, these great men of God, women of God, these heroes of the faith, well, they're not like us. They're not real. They, they didn't feel stuff like us. Really? Well, you're going to discover today, they felt stuff just like us. And Jeremiah can be a great encouragement. He's, he's been my favorite prophet since I was a young, young preacher. Love Jeremiah. And part of what I love is just the rawness of Jeremiah, the raw honesty of his walk with God, because he's encouraged me and helped me and taught me so much. And, and I want him to do that for you today. As a disciple, somebody loves Jesus, follows Jesus. I want Jeremiah to show us how to be real, how to be raw, and yet be holy. Walk with God. And I think he can be a great blessing to a lot of us today. So we're going to start in chapter 16, Jeremiah 16. If you have your Bible, let me see it. Printed, electronic, hold it up. Let me see God's word. Amen. Bring it with you when you come to God's house. Three lessons from Jeremiah that I think can help us as people, as disciples. And, and the first is this. <clears throat> Jeremiah was lonely, but he was never alone. Now listen to that again. Jeremiah was lonely, but he was never alone. I want you to see part of what God said to Jeremiah when he called him to be a prophet in chapter 16. Starting with verse 1. The word of the Lord also came to me, to Jeremiah, saying, You shall not take a wife for yourself, nor have sons and daughters in this place. Can you imagine God calling you to serve him, do something great for him, and then God says, Oh, by the way, you have to do it alone. No family. 
can't fall in love, can't have a wife, no kids. I cannot imagine how empty my life would be without Monisa, our children, our grandchildren. Many of you feel the same way. New mom and dad sitting down here. I mean, it adds something to life, doesn't it? I can't imagine not having that. And yet to obey God, Jeremiah had to do without any of that. No wife, no kids, no family. That could not have been easy for him. Now, I want you to understand that in a very real way, God was protecting Jeremiah by doing this. Because Jeremiah lived and preached in one of the darkest days in Jewish history. The people for generations had rebelled against God. Remember that word y'all don't like that I want you to learn, syncretism? Say syncretism with me. Say it again, syncretism. The blending of different religions, the blending, mixing of different philosophies. They had done that for generations. And God said, that's spiritual adultery because you're not being faithful to me. You're not being true to me. There was the lack of economic justice, of the, 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 the corrupt court criminal system. There, there was, there was just corruption throughout the culture as well as the religious, the religious indifference and backsliding. And God had been saying, if you don't repent and change, I'm going to judge the nation. And, and that was Jeremiah's message. And because of it, he was hated. He was called a traitor. We talked about that last week. He was persecuted. And Jeremiah lived through the Babylonian army marching to Jerusalem three times, the final time destroying the city and the countryside. Thousands of people dying of starvation, thousands of people dying by the sword, thousands of people carried into captivity as slaves in Babylon. He lived through all of that. Now, can you imagine Jeremiah being a prophet through all of that and at the same time having to worry about a family? He didn't have to grieve a child dying of starvation. He didn't have to grieve a wife being taken away as a slave. God, in one very real way, was protecting Jeremiah. But that still doesn't mean it was easy. He didn't have anybody to come home to at night. That he knew would love him when nobody else did, would accept him when nobody else did. He didn't have that. And so it was a lonely Lonely life. Look at verse 5 of chapter 16. Verse 5. And thus says the Lord, do not enter a house of mourning or go to lament or to console them. For I have withdrawn my peace from this people, declares the Lord, my loving kindness and compassion. Wow. God says, Jeremiah, if somebody dies, you, you don't go to their house to encourage or comfort them. Somebody's going through a hard time, you don't give them a shoulder to lean on, to cry on. You have to remember that Old Testament prophets preached not just with their words, but with their lifestyle. They would do things, God would instruct them to do things physically that modeled, that that demonstrated their message. And, And Jeremiah not going to a house to mourn with people when they were mourning was God's way of saying the day is coming when the mourning and sorrow in Israel is going to be so severe that nobody and nothing can comfort them. Jeremiah never going to a funeral was part of the sermon. About what was coming if they didn't repent. In verse 8, 
God says, Jeremiah, moreover, you shall not go into a, a house of feasting to, to sit with them, to eat and, and, and drink. Jeremiah, you're never going to have birthday cake. You're never going to a birthday party. You're never going to anybody's uh, 50-year anniversary celebration. And, and, and those, those parties that all the young couples have today where they cut open a cake or pop a balloon or something and some color pops out and that's how they reveal what sex the baby's going to be, you can't go to any of those. No parties, no, no celebrations, no parades, Jeremiah. Why? Because his very life was preaching to the people that if they did not repent, the day was coming when they would have absolutely nothing to celebrate. No, no reason to ever have a party. But can you see how all of that contributed to Jeremiah feeling isolated? Being lonely? Ostracized by people? And yet through all of that, <coughs> excuse me, Jeremiah was not alone. First, God was always with him. Just, just like in this chapter, God is speaking to Jeremiah. When you read this book, God was always talking to Jeremiah, and Jeremiah always talking to God. He was never alone. We saw last week how Jeremiah was persecuted and had all those enemies. People wanted to kill him. But God said, Jeremiah, I will always be with you and protect you, and they will not be able to kill you no matter what they did. And God was always there protecting Jeremiah from those who wanted to kill him. They could hurt him, but they couldn't kill him. God was with him. So he was lonely, but he was never alone. And then secondly, God had this beautiful way of, of putting someone in Jeremiah's life for a moment. One person for his whole life, but others just for a moment to help Jeremiah when he desperately needed help. God, it's like God, God knew what Jeremiah was going through and, and God said, I've got the answer. I've got, I've got this person and that person is going to come to your side and they're going to help you in this hard, hard moment. And he had Baruch, his assistant, who was with him from the beginning to the very end, always there. But those, those other individuals, see, Jeremiah was not the only faithful prophet during his day. There, mo- most of the prophets were false and they were, they were fake and, and, and they just told the people what the people wanted to hear. Jeremiah was a true prophet of God, but he wasn't the only one. Over in, in, in Babylon with the exiles, you had Ezekiel. Actually, to the Babylonian government, you had Daniel. Same time as Jeremiah. But there in Judah with, with Jeremiah, over in Jeremiah 26, we, we read just a few verses about this prophet. And this is all we know about him. His name was Uriah. And his message was the same as Jeremiah's message. But the wicked king, uh, Jehoiakim, had Uriah executed because of his sermon. And then in 2 Kings 22... During the same time as Jeremiah, there was this female prophet, a prophetess named Huldah. And so while most of the prophets were, were fake and, and, and not true, Jeremiah was not the only true prophet. Now, there weren't many of them. I mean, they were a small group, but he wasn't alone. And then there were those times when, when, when he was at risk and God would... would have a prominent, influential government official on the spot to help him. 
when Jeremiah in chapter 26 preached that sermon in the temple and the, and the, the mob got angry and wanted him executed and they took him to the government and said, kill him. There was this government official, Ahiakim, that's his name, Ahiakim, who protected Jeremiah and kept him from being executed. And when Jeremiah was thrown into that cistern and left there to starve to death and die, there was this Ethiopian who was serving in some capacity we don't know, whether he was representing the Ethiopian government or was he an official in the Jewish king's government, but his name is Abed-Melech. He is the one who actually led a group of men and rescued Jeremiah from that cistern. And then there's the pagan king. The Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar, when the city of Jerusalem fell, Nebuchadnezzar is the one who gave the order to release Jeremiah, who had been left in the dungeon, and said, we will take care of him. And so God always had these people. They weren't all there with Jeremiah for his whole life. But when there was a moment and, and there was this need, even though he was lonely, God had this way of bringing somebody into his life at that moment of need to help. Jeremiah was lonely, but he was never, never alone. Now, there are some of you in this room, you come from big families, and you have a lot of friends. You're blessed. There are others in this room, you come from small families. And you don't have a lot of friends. You got a few. There's some in this room, probably a lot of you in this room, come from broken families, dysfunctional families. Maybe your parents, your siblings were all messed up. Maybe your marriage is broken. Maybe your kids. I, I don't know. But there, there are people in this room, you come from dysfunctional places. You, you, you may be in the midst of one. You may have come from one. And, and, and that's a lonely, lonely place sometimes. Some of you are really shy. I mean, you're real shy. You don't, you don't speak up. It's hard for you to meet people. And you may have a few friends, but you're really shy. And so it's, it's a smaller circle because you're just really timid. And, and let's just be honest. Some of us, some of us are just weird. Just weird. Okay. Some of us don't have very good social skills. Don't have very good people skills. Some of you know it about yourself. Some of you don't. And it's hard for you to have friends because we're weird. And it's lonely. What do you do? Okay, what do you do? Well, we can all work on, you know, improving our people skills and our social skills. We can, we can speak up in small groups and develop relationships. There's things we can do like that. But what do you do? I, I want to encourage you to start where Jeremiah started. Just stay connected to God so that you're never without him. Just stay connected to God. That's, that's the starting place for all healing. That's the starting place ultimately for all healthy relationships. Just stay connected to God. Be intentional about that. 
to stay connected to him. You may, you may have moments of loneliness, but you don't have to be alone. Second thing from Jeremiah. He was sensitive, but he was strong. See, being sensitive doesn't necessarily mean you're weak. It can, but it doesn't have to. Jeremiah was very sensitive, but he was also very, very strong. He felt stuff. He cared. He was sensitive. But man, he had fortitude as well. Jeremiah, during his ministry as a prophet, served under, he he preached during the rule of five kings. If you count Manasseh when he was growing up, a horrible, wicked king. There were actually six of them. And then a governor at the end named Gedaliah. But but those five kings on the throne of of Judah while he was a prophet, Josiah, Jehoahaz, Jehoiakim, Jehoiakim, and Zedekiah. Those five kings, only one of them was a good godly king, the very first one, Josiah. rest of them were evil, just wicked. And uh, Josiah, this, this king that, that was there when, when Jeremiah was a young prophet just starting out, loved God. His heart belonged to God. He instituted religious reforms and revivals in the country, did what he could to get rid of idols and public places where other religions were worshipped. He repaired the temple that had been neglected and fallen in disrepair. He did, did all of that. And then... He goes into battle, leads leads the the Jewish army into battle against Egypt Egypt when he's not supposed to, and he's mortally wounded in that battle. And as you see in the passage on the screen from 2 Chronicles, the soldiers take him back to Jerusalem, and while in Jerusalem, Josiah, this godly king, dies. And he's buried with the other kings of the country. And the very end of it, verse verse 25, Jeremiah chanted a lament for Josiah. In other words, Jeremiah led the people in the public weeping, the public mourning of King Josiah who had just died. He could feel. He could care. But Jeremiah was strong because through all the years that this godly king ruled and tried to bring about religious reform in the country on the outside, through all of that, Jeremiah was wise enough and strong enough to understand that the people's hearts had not changed at all. Things had changed on the outside, but nothing had changed on the inside. And through the time that Josiah, this godly king, was on the throne leading all these religious reforms, Jeremiah kept preaching to the people they needed to repent, and if they did not, the nation would fall. Actually, that female prophetess Hulda made it clear that God was still going to destroy the nation, but he would not do it during Josiah's lifetime because he was a godly king. But after Josiah died in peace, it would happen. Why? Because the people didn't change. Jeremiah in chapter 11, verse 6, during Josiah's rule preached, he said, The Lord said to me, Proclaim all these words in the cities of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem. I mean, he was sensitive, he cared, he was thankful for Josiah, but he was not naive. He understood that the hearts had not changed. He could weep, he had emotions, he felt things, but listen, 
He did not have, he did not have a shallow, sentimental religion. We're really good in America. We're really good sometimes in the church to be active. But to have a religion that is so sentimental and so shallow that it doesn't come from a deep, deep place of devotion in our heart that will love God no matter what, that will serve God no matter what, that will repent when there is sin in our lives, that will obey, obey, obey the Lord from in here. Because you can change things on the outside in the culture, but if the heart's not right with God, God still doesn't bless And Jeremiah was sensitive and cared, but Jeremiah was not weak and sentimental. Jeremiah, he was strong and he could see the truth and he kept preaching the truth in the face of all kinds of opposition. What do you think Jesus said? What's the great commandment? Love the Lord your God. How? How? With all your, with all your mind, with all your strength. You got it? God doesn't want just sentimentality. He wants you and he wants all of you. And Jeremiah was sensitive, but he was strong enough to understand that and to live it out and he models it for us. Well, let me go on for the sake of time because I want to make sure we have plenty of time to do the supper. My last point, Jeremiah was so honest with God and yet always submissive to God. I mentioned he's my favorite prophet. This point is why. I have always loved the raw honesty of Jeremiah. Jeremiah never fakes it. He never pretends. And we're really good sometimes in American Christianity at pretending, especially here in the South. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm fine. Everybody's fine. You may be miserable, but you're all fine. And we do that with God. And then we we get with our girlfriends or our guy friends and we just moan and complain. Because we don't want to get healed, we just want to complain. And God, I can't be honest with God, so we put on that fake spirituality with God. Like God can't see through the mask. I mean, you really think you can trick God? Hmm. I love Jeremiah's raw honesty, his emotions, but it, but it always came from a place of submission to the lordship of God, even when he was struggling. There, there are three prayers in Jeremiah recorded of, of Jeremiah just pouring his heart out to God. And, and, and here's what it's like. It's like God says, all right, I'm going to let you all stand over in the corner of Jeremiah's bedroom. And Jeremiah's on his knees at his bed praying to God. And it's in the middle of the night and he can't sleep because he's all upset. He's all, I mean, he's just, he's just miserable. He's struggling and he's pouring out his heart to God. And God says, I'm going to let you look in and hear and see I I am thankful God gives us the gift of seeing Jeremiah in those hard moments. Because he teaches us. He helps us. I want to look at a few selected verses from two of those prayers. The first one in chapter 15. You're already in 16. Look in chapter 15 with me, if you would, at verse 10. 
Jeremiah's praying to God, and he says, Woe to me, my mother, that you have borne me. Why did you ever get pregnant with me? As a man of strife and a man of contention to the whole, to all the land. He said, you know, Jeremiah's message was one of judgment if they don't repent. And the people thought he was a traitor and they hated him and said, you're not, you're not getting with the plan. And they were always persecuting me. And and it's like, God, why did you let me be born when everybody was going to dislike me and it was going to be this hard? I have not lent, nor have men lent money to me. In other words, you know one of the ways to mess up a friendship is you loan money to somebody or you borrow money from somebody that, you know, half the time that goes bad. (laughs) Jeremiah says, I haven't even done that. And yet everybody curses me. Look down at verse 15. Verse 15. He said, you who know, O Lord, remember me and take notice of me and take vengeance for me on my persecutors. Now, I don't want you to be, you know, fake holy right now. I want you to be honest. Have you ever wanted to pray for God to get somebody? Hmm. At the end of verse 15, he says, know that for your sake I endure reproach. God, it's because I'm being obedient to you. I'm suffering all this stuff. Verse 17, I did not sit in the circle of merrymakers, nor did I exult because of, because of your hand upon me. I sat alone, and well, that's what we saw a moment ago, right? It, I mean, it was God's plan for Jeremiah that he live in somewhat in isolation, and, and Jeremiah saying, God, I never got to have any fun. Verse 18, why has my pain been perpetual and my wound incurable, refusing to be healed? He said, God, this is not just, you know, uh, you know a few months or a few years, just a season that I, I've had it hard. He said, God, my whole ministry, I've had it hard. It's perpetual. There's no healing in sight. The end of verse 18, will you indeed be to me like a deceptive stream with water that is unreliable? God, are you playing, playing, playing a trick on me? That's pretty honest, isn't it? Isn't it pretty raw? Jump over to chapter 20. One more prayer. Just look at a few verses real quick. Last one. Chapter 20. Another prayer. Jeremiah pouring his heart out to God. Look at verse 7. He said, O Lord, you have deceived me, and I was deceived. You have overcome me and prevailed. Can you get more honest than that? God, you lied to me. I have become a laughingstock all day long. Everyone mocks me. You know, I won't get drunk, so they make fun of me. I believe in Jesus and the Bible. They make fun of me. I believe there's only one God. They make fun of me. I won't do what my boyfriend wants me to do, and he makes fun of me. Verse 8, for each... Each time I speak, I cry aloud, I proclaim violence and destruction because for me the word of the Lord has resulted in reproach and derision all day long. He, he was preaching this message of repentance and judgment and therefore everybody attacked him. And you want, do people ever get mad at you because you stand for the truth of Jesus? Verse 14, 
Cursed be the day. Well, let's back up. I'm going to give you a positive verse in his prayer. Verse 11. But the Lord is with me like a dread champion. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. He said, I've got the champion of all champions standing beside me. The champion of all champions is my champion and my defender. And even though it may be hard, they will never defeat me. Because the champion of the world is with me. But then he gets back to raw motion again. Down in verse, uh, verse 14. Cursed be the day when I was born. Let the day not be blessed when my mother bore me. Cursed be the man who brought the news to my father saying, a baby boy has been born to you and made him very happy. Back in the olden days when dads couldn't go in the delivery rooms and the nurse came out in the waiting room and said, it's a boy and everybody applauded and got happy. May that man be cursed who told my daddy I was here. I mean, that's how the guy was feeling. And yet he's this great prophet, this great man of God. But he was honest. See, here's the thing I want you to see. You can be honest with God without being disrespectful. If it comes from a place of sincerity and surrender. If it comes from a heart that says, God, I'm struggling. I don't like this. I don't get this. God, I don't, what's going on? But God, I'm not leaving you. I'm not walking away. And I'm going to love you and I'm going to serve you and I'm going to obey you. But God, I got to be real. This is me right now. But God, I'm in this with you to the very end. If you can come at it from that place, then you're in a place where God can begin to heal. But if all you want to do is complain, I got news for you. If all you do is complain to all your buddies, you're never going to heal. Now, you need somebody to talk to. You need somebody to listen to you. You need somebody who can give you a shoulder to cry on. But guess what? It needs to be somebody who at that moment's not in a dark place with you. Because two people out in the middle of the lake and neither one of them can swim, they cannot help each other. So if just you and all your other unhappy buddies are sitting around talking about how unhappy you are all the time, then you're going to be the rest of your life talking about how unhappy you are. Because you've got to work on your connection to Jesus and then you need to find some healthy people. And then you've got to be honest with God from a place of devotion in here. See, remember that's that, why that second point in the sermon, that Josiah led all those religious forms, but the people didn't change in their heart. If you don't change on the inside, it doesn't really matter what you do on the outside a lot. They don't take that as justification doing whatever you want on the outside, but I'm saying God's not going to do a whole lot in your life if it's just window dressing. It's got to come from a deeper, deeper, deeper place than that. But I love the fact, (laughs) I really do, that Jeremiah was so honest with God and God didn't kill him. Isn't that true? Because sometimes we think, 
I can't, I, can't, I can't be me before God because God won't like me if I'm me. I got news for you. God already knows you're you. But it's when you get real before God from that place in your heart of devotion and surrender that God is able to put some grace in your life and begin doing some stuff. And I love that about God. Now, all of us, if you've, if you've lived very long and been married, you had, you're in great relationships, you've had moments where you all had to get real real with each other, but because you loved each other, you didn't walk away, you got real, and love brought you through, right? God's not leaving. Don't you leave him. Stay connected. Be real and let God's love then begin to heal you. Jeremiah can teach us. I want you to stand. And I want you to get in your mind. I just want you to take a moment. You're already, you're already feeling, thinking. What, what is it you are feeling right now? What, what, where are you at right now? Talk to God about it. Just bow your every, every head bowed, every eye closed. And take a minute and talk to God about where you're at and what you're feeling. Now, everybody in this room knows somebody who is struggling. By name, would you pray for the person you know who is struggling? Pray for them right now. And by name, pray for the person that you know needs to be here next Sunday. They're not here today. They need to be here next Sunday. Pray for them right now. And ask God to give you the courage to to invite them this week. If you'd look up, we're going to sing this song. I'm inviting you to the altar to get on your knees and just pour your heart out to the Lord.